This episode, I'm going to say this before I put this next question up. This episode is like the coaching psychology <laughs> episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with Skip Hill and Andrew Barry. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by by you, the people at Patreon. Thank you guys very much for contributing to the show. We're also brought to you by truenutrition.com. They've been sponsoring the program now for a long time, and I appreciate that, guys. You can support our programming by shopping with them, getting some high-quality supplements, and using our code THINK to get some discounts. Uh, we're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca. You get some blowout deals over there if you're in Canada. I've seen uh, discounted pre-workouts, like short-dated pre-workouts for like 15 bucks. So especially if you're short on cash, check out Supplement Source. Guys, we are back and we've got we've got a bunch of questions from Patreon, YouTube, here on the live stream. We'll have to rapid fire a bunch of those, but before we got into that, we had a couple things to do. Um, Skip, you've got a topic. I know we got to cover that, and we had a shout out, little shout out to give to uh, one of our listeners. Let me see if I can actually like take a screen cap of this picture, Andrew. Um, why don't you tell us who this is, first of all, while I do this? Is it up? No. Uh, that's why I, I was saying, why don't you? You're filling. You're filling for me. You need some filler. Okay. Yes. So this person, I think, is the person who probably beats all of us to reposting that the show's up. <laughs> He's the first one, because I, I, I know our show's up, because I get a message from him uh tagging us before i even get one from scott yeah. so uh this is julian childs he's uh a, a dedicated blood sweat and gear listener and i i'm yep. assuming he probably listens to all of uh the think big uh productions that scott does but um i believe he got second place in his class and i, I think he's got a solid frame here i think this was his first show too so um he can correct me if i'm wrong but i think he's got a bright future here um you know I know he's not asking for a criteria. He wasn't looking for critiques, but I'll say, you know what? If you probably would have gone about two more weeks on your diet, I think mm. you would have taken your class. Um, got a great frame. Uh, keep building those legs. And, um, you know, I think you're definitely going to be in in the, um, you know, winter circle real soon, buddy. It's funny you say that about sharing the show because he is. He's like the first one. I usually <laughs> see that too, and I turn it around and share it. He actually saves me from having to post on the story. Yeah. I could turn around and send it out again. I'm like, ah, oh, thanks. I appreciate it. You know yeah. what else is great about him is I don't think I've ever seen a picture of him online without him showing like this great smile. You know? Yeah. He has a good attitude. I've talked to him uh, yeah. a number of times. It's wizards underscore of underscore iron underscore wizards of That's iron, right. which I think is a really cool Instagram name. Yeah. yeah. He's, he has a really, I, I get that vibe too, that he has just like a really positive attitude and he does, he listens mm -hmm. to all the podcasts. So you guys are right. Like I put the show out and literally I go online to share it. And he's already done it. Like he's already mm -hmm. into it. So that's cool. I appreciate him. And it's, it's, mm -hmm. that's how we get the show, the word out. You know, we like, we don't, we don't have a big advertising budget, believe it or not, guys. I'm going to, I'm going to level with you. This is a podcast that we are doing out of our houses and uh, it is up to our listeners. If you guys enjoy the show to, you know, tell other people that might enjoy it, share it on your stories, you know, share a link, share it with your friends, stuff like that. So I appreciate him very much. And that is a, that's a great shot, man. From what I've seen too, he's a strong dude. So, yeah, very strong. Yep, there is that. Yep, Skip, yep. you've got a topic for us. Keep working. So he's stronger than most. So genetically, see what I'm doing here? <laughs> ah, <laughs> I bet in his gym there are people who look at him and they go, "I just don't. I don't like the fact that he's so strong. It's so not fair. I wish I was strong like him." He's got to be on bigger. something. A he's lot got of shit. broad shoulders. I just, I can't stand that guy. It's so not fair. No, the genetic component, you know, it's come up recently with me, with some of my clients, one-on-one uh, -on -one clients, which I do want to say without it making about me here for very long. I am finishing up this week with one-on-one -on -one training at Titan Gym. After two years, I'm going to go back to online and focus more on uh, writing and my work with Elite FTS and, and things like that. Not that you um, stopped that. No, I didn't stop it. Uh, you know, I got out. I enjoyed the social component. It, it's actually been great. My clients have been great and everything else. But there have just been some things that have come up over the last six months or so. And it's not what it was before 
as far as numbers uh, with consistency and things like that. And, and I had to take a hard look and just go, you know what? I'm not meeting deadlines. There's more that I can do. And I had an opportunity that I don't, I don't want to get into the details of, but I have an opportunity with the lead FTS that I'm taking advantage of. And it's a great platform. And I've been with them for nine years and I, I want that to continue and I want to build on that. Uh, but at the same time, I, it's, it comes up in the gym sometimes about genetics and how, you know, we all know the genetic thing and that, you know, it, we all are playing, we have to play the hand that we're dealt, essentially. And I've written articles about this, making the analogy of a, like a poker hand. And I, I've always said I was dealt, I don't know if you guys play poker, but I was de- dealt suited connectors, which yeah, <laughs> I don't have aces in the hole. I don't have ace king suited. But if you, you know, you play out the flop and you, you play your hand, you can still beat an ace king. You can still beat aces. You can. You just have to play out your hand instead of going in with the Phil Heath pocket aces and things like that. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to end up beating Phil Heath in the end, and I know that because I never did and I was never close. Uh, but I was also a very mediocre uh, bodybuilder and was never genetically gifted, which comes back to – and this is another reason I brought this up because I said online the other day, and this has only been a handful of days ago, said something about the fact that I have very mediocre genetics and I don't like when people see me and, and I'm lean and they use my, you know, my age, you're 52 years old, you're in really good shape. And then they don't accept that I am being realistic, that my genetics are very, very average. I've, it took me 27 years to qualify for a national level show, that's that's not good. Like that's not something <laughs> that people would go, "Oh, that's really fucking impressive." Really? It took you twenty seven years, twenty seven years to qualify for a national level show. That's that's ridiculous. Like, that's it, insane. Well, let's and, also be honest though. You when you started, it was it wasn't like top five or even top two qualify. So you 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 also from an era where like you had to win your class or you had to win the show to sure. qualify for nationals. And so then that the twenty seven years. Yeah, <laughs> there were more shows and things changed. You know, I'm trying to cut so you a little I, slack. As yeah, much as you're, you're right, it was a little bit different. The reality still is that we tend to judge genetics based, like compared to us, to each individual. So, my argument was always this: for me to be lean and to look my best, I have to do things that people aren't willing to do. I will diet like I'm in a show to stay in in good condition other people aren't willing to do that and i'm talking about like you know people will do a a structured diet for 20 weeks and they get into good shape i'll do that 51 weeks out of the year i'll go out not getting ready for a show and i will have eaten before i go and i'll sit there with my family and they'll eat and i don't whine or complain about it i pay for the dinner and we go i eat on sundays when i skip load it's consistency over time, and it's the only reason that I even look like a bodybuilder. But the people who will say that my that I am more genetically superior than them don't see that I'm doing things that they're not doing. Otherwise, if they were to do those things, they would likely be better as well. I've trained for 38 years. That's not impressive. I should be huge by now. I should. Be- people train for a fraction of that time, and they get pro cards. I mean – Jesus Christ. So there's some resentment sometimes when we judge other people's genetic ability to ours when there are other things that we could be doing that comes back to how people feel about drugs. I still think that it's a large reason about why people think there's a there's a magic drug combination. You're doing something that I don't know about. You've got a secret that you're, you guys have secrets on this podcast and you're just not giving them because I have to pay you to get them. It's, it really isn't that we have methods and we have a long stand. We have a ton of experience with hundreds, sometimes thousands of people that we can say, okay, well, we run into this situation. This is what we do and where other people may not know that, but those aren't secrets. Those are just, it's just methodology. It's experience over time. So I take it personally when I am honest and I say, 
and, I, and I'm honest and realistic, that I have mediocre genetics, and then someone else will say, no, that's not the case, be, essentially because you're, you're bigger than I am or you're leaner than I am, as if that is why I'm leaner than you or I'm slightly bigger than you. I'm not even that strong, for fuck's sake. At my strongest, I still wouldn't be, wasn't putting up numbers that people go, God damn, that's, those are good numbers. You guys put up numbers. Andrew, you put up numbers on that, that bench the other day that fucking so, chest press machine. And I'm like, I will rip a titty with half of that. Let me get this I'll straight then. So the topic we're bringing up is, is how shitty your genetics are. Yes. Okay. Next topic. I think I think, we covered it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say this though, like for, and I think, and no one will ever be like, they'll, they'll say, Oh, okay, cool. And then they'll move on. They won't actually give it the appreciation it deserves. Your genetic gift is the stubbornness mm. and the discipline and the longevity of vision to continue seeing it through. Whereas other people, if it doesn't happen in five minutes, they lose interest. And maybe they come back to bodybuilding like in a year. Cause you know, you, know, you see the same people in your gym every year. Like they come in, they're all pumped up for like three, four weeks, maybe a couple months. They're or probably a cycle. cycle. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably, yeah, they're on a cycle and they're making progress, but then they got to go off the cycle and then they kind of trickle out of the gym. They disappear until like the next year they start over again. Right. Sure. They don't have that continuity of vision of putting, you know, whether it's cycles or training blasts, eating blasts, all that together for not only like 20 years, but for even like a year straight to see what they're capable right. of. And, yeah. it, but if you brought that up to them, they would be like, huh, yeah, cool. Um, anyway, you're on what drugs? Exactly. That, that's, exactly. That's where it would go. And, and, and it's what like, you're listen, doing drugs is are you're like focusing. Go ahead. Nope. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, the, like when I have serious conversations with my friends or like with you guys about this, like I rank, I rank drugs like fourth or fifth in the hierarchy of what's important to be a bodybuilder in terms right. of like seeing success over 20 years. You know what I mean? I mean, there's so many other factors, you know, whether it's the nutrition, uh, the training, you know, all those things, um, taking care of yourself outside of the gym, meaning get to bed by 10 o'clock if you're going to get up at six or seven in the morning, uh, re refraining from drugs and alcohol, uh, just doing things that your body needs to do to be able to perform. Because well, how, how many times have you guys done this? You have legs on Saturday. You start thinking about it Friday morning and it kind of brews in your head. And then by Friday night, you're almost scared to wake up the next day because you're like, you're anxious, <laughs> right. you're excited because you're like, you want to see what you're capable of. You want to beat that last number you did or whatever the hell it might be, you know, but like, it, I feel like a lot of regular people, they don't have that. And I do think that mm -hmm. the people that are in this sport for a long time, they continue to feel that way. Like, oh, I got a big day tomorrow. Like, I got to be prepared for it mentally, physically, all the things sure. I need to do to, to have a great training session. But what you just did was what I try to tell my clients or my friends or people at the gym who focus on, because when you're focusing on other people more being more genetically superior, you're almost looking at the negative angle of it you yeah. just took something with me and, and you said hey here's your genetic uh, like ability here's a, here's the thing the mm. perseverance and doing this for a long time the passion for it and everything else that's what i'm trying to tell him like and, and i'm telling one of my clients he's a great guy too he's probably doesn't he weighs 165 170 pounds this guy is retardedly strong he trains he out trains everybody in that fucking gym when he's there like he's the hardest working motherfucker in there. F form is impeccable. He it doesn't break down. He's got those things that are are positive assets, but he pushes those to the side mm. and only focuses on those things that are negative instead of focusing on those things that are positive and accepting those in a sense, uh, you know, compliments or those positive things. And it just becomes a very it just becomes, it's a very negative <clears throat> way to look at her negative perspective instead of saying, well, okay, I might, I could be leaner if I didn't, if I, if my diet was tighter, because I tell them all the time, I can get you shredded. I can get you shredded, but psychologically you aren't to the point yet where you can do the things to get you shredded. So that isn't a genetic issue. Hmm. That's just mm -hmm. a desire or a thing that you struggle with. It's an obstacle in your way. That doesn't make that guy over there any better because he has to do it or you, you being mad at him or irritated with him or resentful because those things come easy to him. That's in a sense, it's kind of, it's, it sounds cliche, but it's life. People will get jobs and make more money and they're, they may not be any better than you at, at no. what they do. 
things like that happen. So again, coming back to the hand that you're dealt and playing the hand you're dealt, instead of looking out here, and it's hard not to do this these days with social media, and I understand that, but you have to focus on you and not be worried about the next generation. The next generation is retarded. We got 22-year-old kids who are fucking absolutely insane, and they're working half as hard as the three of us. There's no question. You could even look at, Andrew, you could look at yourself and you could say, you know what? I'm a pro. I've been very successful at what I've done. I'm going to continue to be successful. But you have to look at it and you go, okay, it is a bitch filling out this frame because I'm taller. It's harder to get bigger. Like I want to be thicker and that's your fight. So where you see that as a genetic limitation, someone else is going to literally not be very sympathetic and they're like, you're a pro, bro. What are you complaining yeah. about? It's people with yeah. money. It's people with money going, uh, I have mental issues. And and people will, they don't care. They don't sympathize because they're like, you know, you have money. I would take your position. I would take your spot any day. I could deal with it. What do you have to be depressed about? I think that yeah. as a society, not just bodybuilding, but we focus on too much on other people instead of focusing on what we, and just going with those positives, playing the hand we're dealt and riding it and enjoying it yeah. in the process. Yeah, that's yeah. A, I think that's a good point. And and you know what I think I've done in the past and I think a lot of people will do this is I will discredit my strengths because I want to I I almost look at that as a positive thing like oh I don't want to get complacent and be too happy mm-hmm. about those Pretty things like, and, about it. Yeah, like if I were, yeah. you know, in your position Andrew be like, "Well, yeah, I got my pro card, but now I got to do this to be a successful pro." So I got a master's pro card, guys. A master's well, card. It's not the same thing. Listen, I, I thank you. Right. But you know what I'm saying? Though? I, and, like, I know, like, and here's the thing, right. and I know there's a hundred million guys out there that would fucking kill to get one. I, I totally, my life did not change in my preparation <laughs> or how I do things. You know what I'm right. saying? Because sure. my goal was never like in my mind, Ronnie Coleman and Jay Cutler were pro bodybuilders. I couldn't I it, hold yeah. a, I couldn't carry their gym bags. You know what I mean? So my I point is that. For me, the goal was always to get better at bodybuilding for myself, not to get four initials after my name or anything like that. It's the, I, I'm being 100% honest here. It, it, it wouldn't have changed my life whether I did or didn't. Honestly, I, I hate to say it, but I kind of wish I was still an amateur because then there's still something, there's still a level that I know I could be competitive, competitive yeah. at, whereas... I don't know if I could be competitive in the open. I'm pretty sure I couldn't, you know, maybe if I was eight to 10 years younger where I'm at now. Yeah. But there's different things I also want to do in life, you know, continuing to build business, convenient, you know, investing in properties, building more wealth, that kind of thing, the kind of things we all go through. Am I always going to train and be a bodybuilder? 100%. But my only point is, I I do get it. And, and, but I was trying to just use an example of, you know, that, that we, we, you know, we will always try to almost discredit ourselves and not celebrate those positive. Things. I guess I did that. <laughs> I guess I just did that. <laughs> I, you know, but yeah. I mean, but, yeah. but really, I think we all do that, you know, and I, I and yeah. I can see where you're coming from, Skip, and, and what you're saying. I guess I'm just trying to look at what is the big message here. And it is what you're saying is to em- embrace your strengths, celebrate those things. I mean, heck, like when you get to stage, that's what you have to do anyway, Right. Like, right, you know, yeah. like I've always known I'm that guy that will say, I'm not going to be the biggest guy, but goddamn, I'll be the, the leanest on stage. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, you yeah, got to do yeah. what you're good at. Embrace yeah. the passion because if you're passionate about it, and I think that's the one thing that's kept me going. I just am genuinely passionate about, I just love the process. I don't need to stand mm-hmm. and say, I could prep the entire year, get me in good condition, you know, get myself in good condition, keep myself in good condition. And I like that structure and I want to continue to do it as long as I can. And I think if more people, I'm not trying to tell people, you know, this is the exact way to, that right. you need to approach it. But because I've done it for so long and I'm never going to threaten for a pro card and I'm not going to beat too many people's asses unless it's in the geriatric division with what is it the walker with tennis balls on on the bottom as we walk out oh god that passion and embrace it and enjoy the process and just focus on yourself and just focus it's cliche but focus on just being a better version of yourself and enjoying the journey and i think a lot more people would appreciate instead of saying i have to get here i have to get here i need to be bigger i want a pro card i and there's a lot of the next generation is horrible 
next generation of hardware. There, there's not a lot of people enjoying the journey or the process. They yeah. want that fucking pro card, and that's the only thing that matters. All right, yeah. let's move on because we have a lot of questions. I'm going to start uh, with this random question I grabbed from YouTube uh, from John. He says, question for the next episode. Is there a PED that is anabolic but does not increase irritability, anger, or aggression? I know Test and Primo both do that to me, which I utilize in the gym, but my family thinks I'm a grouch and easily offended, which I don't like. Trend, for example, is a drug I will never touch. Good call, dude. Uh, any compounds I should look into? Thanks, guys. I think he touched on it first when he says, but my family thinks I'm a grouch and easily offended. I, I don't think it's a PED thing with this person. And I, and with most people that claim that drugs make them do this or that, I honestly think that there's something that might that he might need to go through himself, whether it's talking to somebody or, you know, coming to grips with some anger or something like that. Because I always say this, like, you know, when, when, when you're kind of an asshole, if you're loaded up on gear, you're just a bigger loaded up on gear asshole. And, yeah. and I see it often with people. I don't think there's just this switch that turns once someone, you know, puts a little bit of, of an extra testosterone or whatever in their system. Now in prep, it's a little different because they're more irritable because they're tired. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're restricting all the things that, you know, Hungry give us pleasure ass. in life. Yeah. yeah. But I, but I, but I do think, I think <clears throat> quite often we, as a gear society, we blame the drugs too much for maybe some shortcomings in our own emotional state or, you know, personality things that maybe we just need to work on before even thinking about jumping into PEDs. I love that because I have always said I've never in my almost 40 years of being in the industry and training and 30 years of gear use and all my friends and everybody else clients never seen gear turn a nice guy into an asshole. And yeah, that's not exactly. to say that the guy ask, is asking the question is an asshole. What I'm saying is if you already have these specific character traits, it's like throwing gas on a fire. If you're easily agitated, if you have road rage, if you're, if you don't have any awareness that you're on gear, it's not going to, it just isn't going to fucking help. So, and mm -hmm. I've been doing shit a long time, long fucking time. And I'm a pretty fucking nice guy. If I'm an asshole to you, promise you it's not the gear. I'm just, you either pissed me off or whatever. It's not the it. fucking gear. <laughs> I'm, no di I'm no different. And, and my wife will tell you the same damn thing. I'm no different on trend than I am on Anadrol. Than I am on, yeah. It's just not going to happen. It, it doesn't. Ha I, you, you, I agree with you 100%. I do think you, there's. Do you, do you ever get accused of being like nicer when you're on? Because you're like, Hey man, I like how I'm looking. Like you just have those more pleasant feelings, like that kind of thing. I've never been accused of being nicer, but I've never, <laughs> <Or> just, been, <laughs> but I haven't been accused of the only time that I'm ever really, if I am hungry and depleted prior to shows back when I competed a lot, I get very quiet and yeah, that can be misunderstood as being irritable when it's just, I'm, I'm exhausted and I don't want to, I don't even want to talk. Like I'm yeah, not, not going to exactly. say something. We all know that feeling. Really yep. worthwhile saying. <laughs> Victoria <laughs> says I don't do hunger well, and that's I don't get mean, but I do that same thing. I just get quiet, and she reads that as being like, you know, oh, he's in a bad mood. It's like no, I just I want, I want to eat, so I just don't really yeah. feel. Like, I'm not happy. You know, there's that. Like uh -huh. I'm not excited about yeah. the world yeah. at the moment. Yeah, I'm apathetic. Definitely. I guess that's a better way. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Withdrawn. It's, it's a little more withdrawn. Yeah. Sure. I yep. think the for earlier on, I think I was more affected by gear. And I do feel like over the years, I've become less sensitive to it. Now, granted, my first trend cycle, I went all in because once again, let's, you know, we we're talking in that previous episode about the way, you know, I ran Clen based off of what I saw on the message boards. Uh, I read that you took 100 milligrams of probe with a milliliter of trend, which at the time it was 75 milligrams. So I took 175 every other day. And I didn't have a ton of cycle experiences. I, well, I was probably like five cycles in and it, it ruined my sleep, which that in itself, I think would make it irritable. Yeah. It did sure. make me edgy. I just, I had a conversation with um, Rick Collins the other day off, off. It wasn't on a podcast 
and he was explaining he he did this he did this kind of like this talk about testosterone and the drive that it creates and and it it, it will it, testosterone it it will make you aggressive you know there is that like in aggressive doesn't necessarily mean bad aggressive can be good like you know working harder it's it will affect mm-hmm. you there's psychological effects and i think that what you guys are talking about which i totally agree with it's who's the person and, and how are they being affected? And I think that even though I may have had a stronger effect, I am also a different person today. Like I'm a lot happier of a person yeah. today. I know that I'm a lot more even keeled today and I'm, I'm just going to make better decisions overall. So if I were to use something like that, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get those effects, but geez, what can he take? Cause I feel like if he's running test in Primo, like Primo is like as mild as it gets. But anything that increases I, testosterone does have the potential yeah. to make you more aggressive. And if you're not aware and you already have those issues, you know, they did a study, they've done numerous studies on uh, aggressive or assaultive criminals, yeah. and they tend to have higher testosterone levels, which makes mm-hmm. sense. I would bet that if you went with powerful business women, they're going to tend to have higher testosterone levels than the average woman these things there is there is a component to that uh any i think anything you take that's going to alter or increase your testosterone it it does have the ability to make you more aggressive but we were talking about being an asshole or being a grouch and that's when i i guess i'll be a grouch if i'm if i'm tired i yeah. Know, take my sleep from me, and then I'm a fucking grouchy mm-hmm. motherfucker. I can go without eating. Eating, I've done mm-hmm. that too long. I know there's food out there. I'm not going to starve and waste away. I'm not too worried about that. But sleep, and I'm an mm-hmm. asshole. So I can't. what can he take? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. That's pretty relatively mild. I don't know if you're going to go any any milder than that. I mean, yeah. Mm. Why wouldn't maybe he start with, like, an even lower jo- dose of just base yeah. testosterone? Like, yeah. just maybe – TRT plus and at the the same time, you know, maybe really take an inventory of his emotions. And if he notices tendencies, having a plan of like, okay, how am I going to deescalate my aggressive negative behavior? That kind of thing. Or just having a general awareness, you know, I'm, I'm on gear. So I'm maybe I'm pissed at this driver because I'm more agitated. Awareness goes a long way. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, TTK100, who's also from Patreon, he says, uh, hey, question for you. Metformin on prep, why or why not? I've seen it work well on prep in a calorie deficit. I won't use it. No? I'm not a big fan. Yeah. No. The, The digestive issues, the flattening issues, I think there's much easier ways to get to the same, you know, destination without using metformin unfortunately metformin is a lot cheaper than say like berberine or (laughs) you know some of the others (laughs) that's that's the problem you get you get metformin tabs for like 10 cents a pill and berberine's like a dollar a pill or something but but even if you're not using a you know substance at all you know i'd rather just diet for insulin sensitivity versus take metformin i don't even have anything to add to that that's exactly how i feel about it all right. Ultra floss. Uh, wouldn't you guys say there was something that was more pro- like prevalently used like 10 years ago? Absolutely. I feel like everybody was on even like to help load for shows. And then people were like, I'm just going to the bathroom a lot. And I ended yeah. up really flat on stage. I mean, it, it made sense kind of on paper when you thought about it, that it would help. But then just the effects of it didn't turn out to yep. be what we hoped. Well, this is just more of a comment than a question. This is ultra floss. I, I put this up for Skip. He listens to all of our stuff. He says, uh, thanks very much, guys. I have an abundance of content to enjoy from you all. Scott, you should use the air horn much more often or any soundboard effect for that matter. That's so, right. For Skip. Skip Hill. I, I concur. Thank you. I thought you would appreciate that. Um, let's see here. So Jason says, uh, Scott. Oh, another comment. Um, he says, Scott, I actually took a page from your book and I asked some of the women at my gym who compete in bikini for some advice about getting glutes firing. They thought it was awesome and gave me some great advice. And now I have the biggest glutes in my family. Oh, I uh, thought it, that sentence was going to finish with now I have a side hoe. 
I know. Like you could totally <laughs> make that. I got work. a side piece. Yeah. <laughs> that was true. All right. Uh, we got an actual question here. It says a uh, question for the next show. Um, sometimes there are competitors that aren't bringing their best to the stage or aren't big enough. Oftentimes they switch coaches and then they come in transformed, bigger, leaner, and really nail it. Uh, when these extreme transformations happen, what does it come down to, in your opinion? Mm -hmm. The coach and his knowledge, nutrition, training, starting to get uh, really after it. Uh, it happens at all levels and even with reputable coaches. Once they change their coach, some real they some really transform. But why? It's a good question. I think this is a good topic or a good question. I like it. Yeah, me too. There's a myriad of reasons, but go ahead, Skip. Yep. Well, and it, I agree. I, there are I, sometimes you switch coaches and you realize that, uh, well, I, I'll go with this one. I think this is the more likely, this happens more times than, than not, at least off the top of my head. Different coaches, especially when it comes to good coaches, different coaches can get 10 different coaches can get you to the same result, same condition, 10 different ways. So sometimes it comes down to the methods and whether they're in line with things you like. Here's an example because mm. of skip loading. There are people that will always work with me because of skip loading. They won't work with someone who doesn't allow a cheat meal for 20 weeks. Mm -hmm provided that I get them into retarded condition and there aren't any hangups and they, you know, they're, they're obviously in great condition and they're happy with, with the results. So if sometimes it's just the methodology, sometimes it's the rapport that you have, uh, you know, with a trainer too. Sometimes you don't have that. Sometimes you just don't agree. You're starving. You're, you feel tortured. Sometimes people want to be tortured and they, they don't like, there are people who will not work with me because skip loading is cheating hmm. and it, it's not something they would rather psychologically be in a different spot where they feel like they are, I don't want to say tortured, but for lack of a better word, they're just that, that grind that day in day out grind. And they need to feel that fatigue and that massive depletion. They need to feel that they're in prep almost yep. like it's, I call it self injurious behavior <laughs> that it's, mm -hmm. that it, they need that to feel like that's what it's supposed to feel like. But then you also have people who will work with a coach. They may not of they may not have applied themselves a hundred percent, maybe because of methods, maybe because they didn't. And then they changed to another coach and all of a sudden they are locked in for whatever reason. Uh, things are different in their life. They don't have as many obstacles. They don't have personal things going on. Uh, chaos in your life is not a good, uh, whether it be financial relationship, um, health issues in your family, there's a lot of factors that can play into whether a worker with a coach or, or in a prep phase or anything else goes the way that you want it to go. So sometimes it's variables that are out of your control. Sometimes it has to do with the coach. Sometimes it doesn't have to do with the coach. There are a ton of variables. I agree with all that. One thing I will add is that sometimes it just takes a fresh set of eyes to look at what that coach and athlete were doing and then been saying, I'm going to do the complete opposite. Hmm. Like if yeah. they couldn't get them past like a three week outlook, no matter what they were doing, maybe they're pushing them harder and harder and harder. Okay. Well then if you're a pretty intelligent person, it just kind of behooves you. Okay. Let's do some of the opposite things. Let's start feeding them a little bit more. Maybe their adrenals right. are tapped. Yeah. Maybe they're over cardioed. So sometimes it literally is just a fresh set of eyes. And maybe that same first, that, that sorry, that, that second coach, would have probably had the same first approach if they had that athlete first and just kept on trying to beat it into him, beat it into him. But sometimes just being like takes removing yourself as, as being that second set of eyes and saying, okay, you know what? This is what they were doing. It wasn't working. I can't keep doing this with this person because we're going to get the same result. I'm going to do something right. completely different. And, and then it's as simple as that. And then all the other reasons that you mentioned, Skip. Which I think is a mark of a good trainer too, because you always have to take into consideration what they did before that worked yeah. or didn't work. Because if you're going to come back with a very similar approach, then how could you possibly expect that that's going to work because you're just a different trainer? It's essentially going down the same path. So I know I've said to myself before, it, it doesn't happen a lot, but it's happened. And I'm honest. If a client comes to me and they've done everything that I think is right or things that I would be doing and it didn't go well, 
Sometimes I'll say, look, uh, my methodology is very similar. You may need to or you may want to consider working with somebody else because I don't see much here that I would change based on what you had done before. And then you know, the other part of it is, is I think that sometimes in a situation like that, then I start to think, okay, then it's execution. You may have execution issues. You may have other things going on in your your life like the, the obstacles psychologically, other things that are going on that you don't have control of. And you know, I, I always come back to the chaos part too with a lot of people you can't ever expect to be successful unless you have other most other things in your life all your ducks in a row and you don't have any outside negative influence that's going to get in the way and that's whether you're trying to turn pro or you're just trying to do the best that you can at the state level Thank you for tuning in to another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. If we've provided value to you today, then please consider contributing to our show. You can help support the show through Patreon. Every $5 helps to pay for the software and the hardware and everything else that goes into making a podcast. You can also contribute by using our code at True Nutrition. True Nutrition has been our title sponsor for several years now. I'm super grateful for them. And I've believed in True Nutrition supplements long before they sponsored our programming. You could use our code THINK for health supplements and performance supplements. Feel free to hit me up if you have any questions. And if you're in Canada, check out supplementsource.ca. They have free shipping over $99, huge discounts on overstock, short-dated, and label-changed products. Plus, they have all your normal supplements too. Thank you guys for listening to the commercial. I hope you're having a great day and that your bodybuilding is going well. Let's get back to the shelf. This episode, I'm going to say this before I put this next question up. This episode is like the coaching psychology <laughs> episode. And with that said, uh, Matt Nelson has a question for us. He says, uh, what's up, Scott? How do you as coaches deal with clients doing too much and lying about it? For example, doing an hour of cardio while you only have 30 minutes prescribed eating half a cup of rice instead of one cup as you, like you suggested, you said, this isn't me. Uh, something came up on the show the other day that made me think of it. And he's from Patreon. So shout out to you for supporting us on Patreon. I think it's important for people to know that we may not know exactly what you're doing, but we know when you're not doing, we, We've been doing this shit too long. Trainers who are good at what they do and they've been doing it for a long time, there there's writing in between the lines when you're typing and it's it's there. The signs are there. We may not know exactly what you're doing, but then we're going to pick a little bit and be like, oh, tell me about this tell me about and then you start to get in there and you're going to find out. Now, if you're going to hold out, if you're the client that's going to hold out and you're going to lie, then ultimately it's on you. I can yeah. hand you, I've said this a million times, I'll say it again. I hand you the tools to build your dream house. And if you sit there and smack yourself in the forehead over and over with the hammer, then that's on you. That's not on me. I told you how to build the fucking house. All you got to do is follow the plan and you're not doing that. So you will, as a trainer, if you train long enough and you're good enough, you're going to have clients who are not going to be honest with you. You would hope. And, and it happens the very, very large majority of the time. You hope that the people come to you and they pay you good money. And here's the other part. When they pay you good money and the money that you're worth, it happens less. Mm. When they pay you $300 for a prep, you're going to deal with more of this shit because money mm -hmm. will make you committed more times mm -hmm. than it won't. You're giving up something of you're giving up what that you feel that value is worth and your good trainers are worth the money that they're being paid. You're less likely to lie. You're going to trust your trainer more and you're going to be honest with them and let them know when you fucked up. The other part is being a trainer that is open to listening to that too versus constantly chastising someone, uh, you know, like they're not mentally strong enough and beating them down. If you're in a prep and you're a veteran, that's completely different. But if you're a new competitor, you're a good trainer, you got to deal with that because new competitors are not used to the demands psychologically that it yeah. takes when they come into competing for the first time. And you have to be open to that. If I can throw a, you say like a, a logistic thing in, if somebody did say, say like you tell somebody to eat a, a cup of rice with every meal or whatever, and then they only eat a half a cup of rice, if they come back the next week looking good, then you'll probably tell them like, and they're on track, then you'll probably tell them, okay, keep doing what you're doing. 
this looks good. Like you might not know that they lied to you and they only ate a half cup of rice, but if it's working, then you're just going to tell them, Hey, this looks good. Keep doing that. And if they, if say like they look really depleted, then you're going to be like, Oh wow, we have to go to a cup and a half of rice on every, you know what I mean? Like you're going to adjust the guy's doing an hour of cardio every day and he's supposed to be doing 20 minutes or a half hour. Then you might be like, dude, your legs are getting really depleted. You know what I mean? Like we're going to be like, you're only doing a half hour. I'm going to give him a little shit. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to give him a little shit. You know what, man? And my shortcoming is I trust people. So yeah, I I might not, I might not call him out because I might not notice it. I might not think it, but I know that no matter what it's, I'm going to adjust the diet. So if they're, if they're yeah. doing too much or they're moving too fast, I'm going to be throwing more food at them, you know? Yeah, I have actually I mean, a case I I know, right or wrong. But I, have, I have a situation where I know, um, and, and I see this more in female clients, bikini clients that, like, you know, particularly in the off season, they are going to be the type, they're going to eat a little less than what mm-hmm. you're right now. They're going to be doing more cardio. I don't really find that problem with guys. You know, guys, I think in the prep, you might find some of them might cheat, you know? Um <laughs> But I was going to say, you know, I think with all of us, we've built reputations and repertoires enough now where I, if, if someone had a conversation with me and it was more about like, hey, I'm, they need to build the trust with me. I say, hey, just go to my Instagram and just look at the hundreds of people that have listened and followed the plan and had gotten into great shape, won their classes, won the pro cards, whatever it might be. Like they trusted me. So all I'm asking for you to do is do the same thing. And yeah. we're going to get similar results. You're, we're going to get you in shape. We're going to do what I have a whatever it takes attitude. If we need to push harder, we'll push harder. But like I said, typically I don't find during preps that people are cutting their food in half or doing right. way more cardio. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I find yeah. that's more of a female thing in the off season, I think, because they want to maintain a particular look like, close to show look kind of thing. Um, I did it. But yeah, I think it's just the trust. I did it. But I also say this, don't, but what'd you do? I did it. I, I ate way less than I was supposed to. (laughs) And I got fucking peeled. So you're taking this question very personally. Well, (laughs) yeah, no, no, because my coach didn't know. And I never told him. And, and I, it, it became a problem too, because then he started making changes and I'm like, okay, so if he was telling me to eat this and this and uh, this, and I've been eating this and this, what do yeah. I do to make that change? So it was a yeah, fucking now I gotta nightmare. Make another change. Yeah. But honestly though, so, it, I, I think that it was that I thought I knew better. And I think that I did. And it was just based off of that particular relationship, honestly. So, so, so that that's maybe a difference in terms of where your coach was at, you know, yeah. in terms yeah. of his expertise and how, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. That's like, that's I, what I, I just, think it was. It was a different, I, I just no. don't think any of our clients these days, you know, okay, maybe there's an odd, you know, cheat meal or something like that or a fuck up, but I just don't think people are programmed, taking your program and drastically changing it for every meal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, why yeah. have me, you know, why have me? Yeah. Cause we've all yeah. built reputations. We cost a decent amount of money at this point. Um, I think what Skip said, like if you're a $300 prep guy versus a thousand dollar prep guy, they're, they're going to be paying a little bit more attention for, and they're going to be following it to a T when they're paying a thousand bucks versus 300. I have said before when it's chronic, I'm like, you know what? Uh, for the next six months, I just need you to send me the check and then you check in and just tell me what you're going to do. Yeah. And then they laugh and they're like, yeah, they get the point. And the point is, is yeah. you're paying me to make these decisions based on my experience and my track record. You need to let me make those decisions run them by me if you want some kind of change. Look, I'm always in the, I'm very much a team player in the sense that you always play on the team skip approach. It's, it's about the client and me. It's about you and I, it's not just me. I want your feedback. I want to, everything we're going to do, you need to be a hundred percent on board with. And if you're not, I need to know whether it's gear, diet, cardio, whatever. Wouldn't you say that that, the um the weight that you put on their feedback is weighted more heavily the more preps you do with them or the more experience they have as a competitor absolutely i mean because like if a first-time competitor says hey coach i'm pretty tired right now and and you know i I don't feel like i'm eating enough i'm hungry all the time versus someone who's done 15 preps they've done five with you if they're giving you that feedback that's a way different situation so i do think it's that again it's that trust you know that that trust component with with the client athlete yeah all right let's see what else we got here we got a few more um Alfonso asked us something. He says, um, he's uh, got to have his own little bell or something. Yeah. The Alfonso. Bell. Know, right? We've got, uh, yeah. we've got a triangle. Alfonso. <laughs> um, 
Have a great show, gentlemen. Uh, I just saw that NBA draft pick Chet uh, Holmgren is listed at seven foot, 190 pounds, 20 years old. I'm curious, what type of program would you construct for someone like him, knowing that he has to re, uh, remain playing at high levels? Uh, how much muscle could you realistically put on him in a year naturally, of course? It's a fun one. I, I actually yeah. used to coach. Um, I was the strength and conditioning coach and nutritionist for a semi-pro basketball team for two years. You're kidding uh, me. Up here. Yeah, uh, we actually won back-to-back uh, national championships. Um, a couple guys went to the NBA. Dude, that had but, to be so um, fun. Apparently they didn't. Yeah, it was cool. Them. But anyway, <laughs> next. <laughs> I, I didn't dish out any drug advice. Not enough. Uh, no, this this is going back like 12, 15 years. But so I was, you know, just a couple years out of college. But I mean, it's the same we way. You, you know, you set up the approach. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Actually, I was going to say in that last. I was going to say about going that last segment. You brought quickly. up. You brought up Rick Collins. I was like, actually, uh, he was a consult for my lawyer for my case. Actually, <laughs> he probably wouldn't remember because he's probably done a million right of these things. The podcast. Yeah. No, but uh, I mean, it's really no different than training on the other athletes. You know, like okay, so what's involved with training for basketball? A lot of explosive stuff. A lot of cleans. Um, you don't do a lot of back squats with them because they have such long femurs, so they're doing a lot more front squats because um, it's more protective to the back. So you want to get them stronger in their cleans. You want to get them stronger in their front squats. You're doing a lot of box jumps. You're doing a lot of explosive drills, that kind of stuff in the weight room. So it's not like a straight hypertrophy program. There's right. a lot more strength, speed, and then there's some the hypertrophy part is an afterthought because you don't want the hypertrophy to overtake their skills, right? Yep. If a guy's building up his shoulders and his chest too much, and then he's got to go shoot 100 you know, free throws, it might change his whole shot dynamics and the coaches would be really upset with you. So it's got to accompany or it's got to be part of his program, you know, make him better basketball player. But in terms of nutrition, it, for them, it really comes down to calories in calories out, you know, like these guys, you know, it's not a bodybuilding approach, you know, because basketball players, they're not, they're not built like we are. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. to get them to eat breakfast before coming in the gym to train, like you really have to have a talk with them and explain to them how much it's going to help them have a better workout, have a better practice session later on in the afternoon. So it, you know, it's just really balanced diets, you know Um, you know, you try to get four good meals, some protein shakes in there in between. And then, you know, it wasn't uncommon for them to go to like Burger King for their last meal at, you know, 1130 at night and have a couple double whoppers and stuff. Because they needed the calories, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, But I think the goal, like, you know, with off season is to try to put on a little bit of healthy weight, a little bit of body fat, because come training camp, they're going to lose 10 or 12 pounds just from the increase of running and, and all the other activities they're doing so that you get them to their playing weight. So how much weight could he realistically or how much muscle could he realistically gain? Five to seven pounds, maybe, you know, with a real dedicated plan. Um, I mean, look at like Michael Jordan, right? He completely rebuilt his physique, but it took him, you know, three, four years of weight training sessions after, after practice or after, after games, even I've read stories about how he'd get off the court from a game where he dropped 35 points and he'd go into the gym and train for an hour and a half with Rodman, you know? So I think think a situation like that is better too, to do it long-term because if you're going to get results very quickly, you I think it's more likely that it will change the mechanics that he would have for shooting and, and exactly. being as agile and moving as quickly. I think, you know, it's funny, the strength and conditioning coach for the Colorado Avalanche lived pretty much catty corner across the street from, from us when we moved into our home in Evergreen. And uh, I asked him one time what he did with Joe Sackick, how he trained him. And, and he said, the most important thing I do with him is I don't injure him. Hmm. Yeah, he basically okay, that's the said thing. he can yep. pretty much do whatever he wants because – if I do something that injures him, not only is he, is his career on the line, but mine is probably done. <laughs> yeah. So with wow. him That's being in the NBA right. and being so young and being that tall, yeah, it's funny because you have to you have to put together an effective plan. You got to do your job, but at the same time, you got to be a little conservative too, in the sense and have it in the back of your mind that. You injure that kid and your career, you're at least out of there. And you may not, mm-hmm. <laughs> you never know. You may have ended a career with any other basketball team at that level too. So I would imagine that the strength and conditioning at that level was someone that vulnerable, that tall, that lean, that 
that skinny. It probably is. There's probably more anxiety with that than there would be even with football players. I would think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing. I'm guessing because I'm no. You're 100 no, percent right because yeah, they, they got, they're so tall they, and they got such long femurs that putting a yeah. bar on someone's back, unless they're like a point guard or something like that, is almost like a non-starter. You know, well, a lot of them haven't takes- trained before for any length of time, like a football player may have. Am I right? I, yeah. I'm guessing, but um, no, they're starting the kids off pretty young in like the okay. junior high. Like if if you're going to be an NBA NBA player, you're probably working with a trainer from age of 11 or 12 all the way through high school going to a special high school having a special strength and conditioning coach going to college having a dedicated strength so they, they are experienced in weight training but Assuming i think he's, you, he's you, in the u.s <laughs> even if you're outside sports are so big Is now it? the amount of okay. money I, yeah i, oh, I wasn't absolutely. sure i was he probably went, they came he's from probably, china they didn't i fuck i don't know i'm guessing even if he did, he went to a special school guaranteed for basketball. And but no, you hit the nail on the head. Injury prevention is. I mean, I would. Now you you bring it up. Like twenty five to thirty minutes of every hour and a half weight training session was like single leg drills, just like balancing so that hmm. the knee in particular sure. yeah. and the ankle could get that mobility and the strength to withstand. Mm-hmm. So when they're off balance, falling, trying to throw a ball back in the court or whatever, it doesn't pop on them. So sure. no, you're hundred percent right about that. And you always err on the side of caution in terms of the weights being lifted for the, for the big lifts. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I love hearing this stuff because this is a topic that this is not my wheelhouse at all. So it's cool. And I didn't know Andrew that you had that experience. Yeah, I didn't know that. either. Yeah, it was, yeah, uh, um, this is going. They're called the Vermont Frosties, uh, of course. Um, cool. But yeah, yeah, we played uh, usually two to three games a week. Played all across the country, mostly in the Northeast and Canada. And um, yeah, we're lucky enough to have a couple NBA, uh, not NBA, PBA championships, which is kind of cool. So that's cool. You know, it'd be a fun topic now that we bring this up to talk about some of your uh, sports coaching experience at some point, Skip. That'd be fun. Yeah. Something different. Oh yeah. Something yeah, I'd love to hear about Jimmy. Yeah, me too. Just talked to him a few days ago, you know, about a bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> Had to throw that in there. All right, we got one more here from Neven. He says, uh, okay, can I can I get some cardiovascular benefits of running by shortening my rest times in between sets instead of doing cardio on a treadmill? I'm a construction worker and father of two. I don't have a lot of time to train. I normally get about 15,000 steps in a day. As I get older, I'm worried more about heart health. Is my only option to cut back on the weight training that I love and replace it with actual cardio? Thanks for your help. Love the show. So, yeah, you have absolutely got cardiovascular benefits. Oh, go ahead. Well, I think you can too. I, I, I agree with you, but I've had questions about this topic because I feel like it's aerobic versus anaerobic. And I think oh, the I increase in, you see what I mean? I think the increase in heart rate yeah. is, it's different. Yes, it's elevated. So from a caloric and metabolic standpoint, what I'm not sure about, cause I'm not smart enough, to be honest with you. I, I didn't go to school long enough for this shit. Uh, I don't know that the cardiac output Bennett slash benefit results is the same with an elevated heart rate. Like as an example, my heart rate will be higher training back and like train damn near anything except maybe arms than it will be for cardio. But yet cardio Mm -hmm. is going to be arguably more effective long-term for heart health. So I don't know if it's Um, the same. I I don't know that it isn't, but I don't, I'm not convinced that it's the same. I don't know if cardio just cardio versus just weight training, especially the way you're talking about, like how your heart, like you train your legs, you train it back, like your heart rates, you know, gets down to 130 and maybe goes as high as 160, 170 when you're on the hack squat cranking, right? right. I don't, I don't think that that's, um, I don't think the the long distance, say cardio only, is a better has a better effect on your heart than the higher intensity um, weight training does actually, and I think there's studies to show that. Really? Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll pull something up and I'll send it to you, but I'd be interested. Um, yeah. I'd be very interested to see it. 
but it, which is not me doubting that, it either by saying that. Well, well here's 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 also where I'm going with this because he's already getting fifteen thousand steps in a day as a construction worker, That's which a is lot. quite a bit. You know, yeah. um, I mean, I mean, for us, to, we'd have to like literally walk like seven or eight miles, you know, to get that in because we probably all sit on our ass most. Yeah, of that's day, like right? more than you, the three of us combined. I bet I get ten thousand an I, hour I, and fifteen minutes every day. Kiss my ass. So I, I try no, to get, I, I get sixty-five. That's a lot of fucking movement. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but yeah. so my point being is he's already getting a lot of low intensity aerobic exercise. So mm-hmm. I actually like his idea of doing more of like a hit type of cardio yes. system versus so so it saved himself even more time. I would do something like. Three days a week, I would do eight minutes a hit where you warm up for as long as you like, and then you go 10 seconds all out as hard, as fast as you can go. Like you should look like a crazy person yeah. followed by 50 seconds of recovery pace, which is the same as your warm up. And mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of running just because probably I'm, I'm assuming his age is ours or older. Um, I just see the potential for ben- uh, the potential for injury when you're running Joints versus the joints. Yeah. yeah. Versus using, um, I get great hit on an elliptical and I get great hit on a spit uh, on a, an assault bike. I think those mm-hmm. are your two safest, most effective ways. You can get your heart rate up to that 175 or so. Um, and it, you know, you get a whole thing done in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I've been having guys that, that have been wanting to do stuff like that. So, well, here's what I'll say is that I think one of the mistakes I had made earlier on in my bodybuilding was that when I would get up to my heaviest weights, I would be like my least conditioned, you know, I'd be walking upstairs, having difficulty catching my breath, tying my shoes. I'd have to take a breath, go down, get one, you know, take a breath, go down, get the other. Mm -hmm. And I found though, that, that the better you can do the stuff like you're talking about, Andrew, the, 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 the better you can maintain heavier, Mm -hmm. like heavier muscle mass. And so Mm -hmm. I've started experimenting more with using that with guys that are at their heaviest, and we've been doing stuff just like you're talking about. It works great. Their cardio endurance doesn't go down. And I have mm-hmm. a feeling, my thought is that if you can comfortably hold a lot more muscle, like it's not a struggle for you to live your life, it's going to be a lot easier to hold that muscle after you you know, are done with that bulk. And mm-hmm. uh, one other thing, just to get creative with it, we've been doing some stuff like off the machines. Like if they've got sleds in the gym, we'll do like sled pushes, 10 minutes, you know, as many as you can get, take a break. So that's a little different. That's a little bit different. It's different um, than like the wind sprint type thing or the wind gate type yeah, thing you're talking about. Because well, true hit, you know, like you're, you're, you're depleting your creatine phosphate system, which really, you know, it's like eight to 10 seconds is all like you're 100% max. Wind like, like you're on fire and you there's a pool 10 seconds away and that's the only way to get yourself out. That's how you should be moving. And, and because you couldn't go longer than that at that exact rate is what I'm saying. Yes. Whereas no, like I don't. the pushes, and I'm saying there's tons of benefit with the pushes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it, it's kind of like, I, I, I say there's true hit, then there's like high intensity cardio. I would and that's put that where I would like put it. High in- I okay, would agree yeah. with you 100%. So, but All I'm right, still cool. kind of putting it at that, that end, I yeah. guess, of cardio. Yeah, I, agree I agree with you agree. 100%. And and basically, though, trying to push it back and forth as many times as you can, like really aggressively, and then taking a break, you know, and then from there mm-hmm. doing it again, basically doing it as many times as you can, because I do think there's like a functional element to that, too. So I guess my mm-hmm. thought was that that I think some of the people that I've been doing that with are really enjoying it because it is so much different. And it, it mm-hmm. is something that can be, I don't know, fun, you know. People, I mean, the bike is cool, but if you if you want to do something different, that would be my thought. Yeah. That's what I want to throw out there. The hardest cardio I ever did was the pool. Um, I did oh, hit geez. cardio in the pool, doing the freestyle stroke for you know oh, ten shit. seconds, which would happen to be three quarters of the length of the pool, and then I would walk the rest, and, and there'd be these big clocks so you could you stay right on the minute. Yeah. And I would do, I think I got up to twenty rounds of that, and that was my only cardio. I had to do that three times a week for a prep in two thousand fifteen, and. I'll tell you what, like my resting heart rate was like 42 or something like that. Just chilling, like, like no nothing worked my heart hard. Yeah. So, and I'll say this, like I had people, you know, actual swimmers that were there in the pool, they'd be like looking at me and one of them would even be like, Hey, do you want me to show you how to make that freestyle stroke more efficient and like do it mm-hmm. right? And I'd be like, no, like I want it to be as inefficient as possible. I'm trying to burn as much energy as I can in this short period of time. So <laughs> I'm not looking for the efficiency. I'm not looking to go a I'm certain trying distance. to drown. Myself. Yeah, they were they were concerned. <laughs> they were concerned for you. They were like, well, I'd make such a splash too, like because like the you know, water go. Fuck. They'd be like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? 
That's good. It was great cardio, though. I'll tell you that. I wish I still had access to a pool. I'd still use it. Mm -hmm. I think it's a number one because it number one cardio because it balances throughout your entire Mm -hmm. body instead of being lower leg dominant like all of our cardio. That's what I was going to say. And the pump I would get in my upper body, like, holy shit. I'd get out like I was getting ready for a stage and my legs would feel great though. Like I didn't, I didn't feel like I was beating my legs into the ground. Like I, you know, like, you know, normal preps feel. That's that's cool. All right, guys, let's wrap this thing up. Um, Thank you everybody who's watched the program. Appreciate you guys. Uh, You can of course support our programming by going to Patreon. I'll have links to that below. You can also support the programming through shopping with our sponsors, True Nutrition. Go to truenutrition.com, use our code THINK, get great supplements over there, uh, supplementsource.ca for everybody in Canada. Get your supplements over there and get discounted stuff. And um, if you haven't noticed, all of us coach people. That's what we do. If you're interested in hiring a coach, honestly, uh, reach out to one of us. We'd be happy to talk to you about it. Uh, go to teamskip.com. You can reach out to Skip over there bodyberry.com you can reach out to andrew over there and mcnally diets at gmail.com that's me guys are there is there anything that we're forgetting here uh someone on the show or someone that listens to the show asked me like hey who's the black guy on your show these days <laughs> that's bad i know you've gotten that's- that before but you are oh, another yeah. shade especially as it's gotten darker in that room yeah I noticed it too. I'm out in the sun a lot more at the pool recently, and oh. I do get dark in real sun. The, somebody mm-hmm. yeah. we talked about you on um, on it's just bodybuilding. I can't remember. It was it was um, uh, Dusty said something about about your your race and it made a joke. <laughs> and we had several people comment, and they're like, "Oh, I always thought that Skip was biracial." Ah, that's good. <laughs> like several French people. Polynesian. They were serious too. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys. See ya.